You're listening to the Global Vision Bible Church podcast, where broken people find new meaning to life. You're about to hear a message straight from God's Word, because at Global Vision, we believe in three things, biblical preaching, radical compassion, and extravagant generosity. Hey, at the end of this episode, I'd like to ask you to rate and review the podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel because we believe God's word still challenges perspectives, encourages hearts, and changes lives. Now let's head under the tent in Mount Juliet, Tennessee for this week's message from Pastor Greg Locke. We're going to be in a couple of spots and I'll preemptively let you know uh, a little secret. We're going to work backwards a little bit in the text today so that I can give you kind of the ending of the story. And then as one great interesting radio voice of yesteryear said, we'll give you the rest of the story as we back in to the chapters a little bit, word by word and verse by verse. It's amazing what's in the Bible if you'll actually pay attention. Amen, church? So often we, we go to church or we'll listen to a podcast or we'll watch somebody on TV or YouTube, whatever the case may be, and they'll talk about Bible preaching, and then it contains very little Bible. But if we're going to call ourselves Global Vision Bible Church, then we need to exalt the authority of the Word of God, amen? Because as we're going to see in the text, the authority of the Word of God is really all we have to stand on. We have nothing else. And we do have authority, and we have an anointing, and the authority and the anointing flows through the text of God's Word. And so that's why we, we make an elevated position of the Bible here at our church, because it's so valuable. And so we have a, a number of verses to read by way of a text, and then in the actual message, uh, a number of more verses, a lot of verses, in fact. But I want to fill this parking lot today with the truth of God's Word, because I'm telling you, there's something about the Bible that transforms lives. Now, I want to say this. Uh, this just came to me right now to say this. I talked to my wife about this the other day. She's the only person on the planet that knows anything about this. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't need uh, a bunch of ideas, especially while I'm preaching, but I, I do have this thing that's on my heart, and so I don't want to freak the media team out or anything like that. There's nothing they have to pull off today, so Ian Nicole, don't flip out on me right now. But while, I, while I'm saying that, that authority and anointing flows through the Word, uh, here's, here's one thing I want to figure out, because obviously... The sound system comes up and down, and so if we, we can figure out a, a, a Bluetooth situation or whatever, okay? I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but here's how I want to get into the new tent. Here's how I want to start things. When we are not using the tent for 633 gathering, for Wednesday night prayer and worship and Bible study, for Sunday morning you know, gatherings together like this, or revival, because I'm, I'm fully convinced at some point this next year, God's going to let us go every night for a little while, amen? We're going to have some revival blowout and some things are going to happen. But, but here's what I would like to do, right, for the first part of the year at least. And so, again, they can scramble in their minds and figure out how we can do this and the best way to pull this off. But I wasn't even going to share this till the first of the year, but I was talking about the Bible, and so it, it, it got, got to me. I mean, this is not my preaching. Do not start your clock yet. Do not. Do not. I know the sun's beating down on you, but uh, do not start your clock yet. Look, I want to figure out, you know, uh, you know who Alexander Scorby is, the people that read the Bible years ago and all that, and the dramatic Bible? The, the, I want the Word of God 24 hours a day to be playing out loud in our tent when we are not using it until the entirety of the Word of God is read through, maybe on even multiple, over. And, so if you can walk in at 2 o'clock in the morning, chapter 4, and he'll be talking and reading the Word of God. You can walk in at midnight. You can walk in at, at 6 o'clock. You can walk any time, and the Word of God will be read over our tent continually 24 hours a day. You know why? Because there's power in the Word. There's anointing in the Word. 
And if we want to bake it in to the atmosphere of this campus and the tent and all that God's doing for us in his kingdom. And so uh, we'll, we'll figure out how we can make that work. And so don't freak out on me now, team in the back, amen. But we will make it work, amen. We will make it work somehow to have the word of God read all of the time in the tent. And it's going to be beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Not indefinitely, obviously. We want to get through the Bible, see how long that takes on a 24-hour basis. And then uh, we'll, we'll go back through it at least for the first month. I want the power of the Word of God to be exalted in this church. And wouldn't it be amazing somebody pull up in here 3 o'clock in the morning, not even knowing what's going on, and be like, what, what's that coming out of that tent? Walk up in there and the Word of God being read to them. Man, people be falling out, getting saved right on the spot 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Amen? Whew, man, get me excited thinking about it. Man, all right. Well, let's, let's get rolling because we got a lot to talk about, and that already fired me up. Amen. All right. Exodus, I want you to go to the 34th chapter. We're going to back into chapter 33 here in just a moment. Exodus chapter 34, I want to invite you to stand out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. You may start your clocks now. <laughs> Exodus chapter 34. Notice verse 29 and following. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh unto him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Thank you. You may be seated. Father in heaven, we come to you in that name that is above every name, and we do ask that Jesus would be exalted, uplifted, the Father would be glorified, the Spirit of God would be released in this place. And again, the anointing and authority of the Word of God would wash over us like a mighty great flood, do a work in this parking lot today as only you can do, gather glory unto yourself, set people free here and online, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... What a strange, strange narrative of a context that when Moses came down off the mountain, two things were true. Number one, he had the two tables of stone in his hand. The second tables, he broke the first one because he was a little angry at the people and their sin. But then the Bible says that the people had a difficulty carrying on a casual conversation with him because merely looking at his face was difficult because the Bible says that his face literally shone with the glory of God. He looked like one of those glow worms when you were a child. You'd squeeze its belly and its face would light up. He literally looked like a light bulb from the power and the presence of God being so rich and radiating so strong in his life that they had to literally put a veil over his face to carry on a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Can you imagine that kind of power? Can you imagine being tapped in to that type of presence and that type of glory? Which, by the way, we're not talking about a comic book. We're not talking about a Hollywood story. We're talking about the Holy Word of God. It took place exactly the way the Spirit of God said it took place. And here's a man that's so 
guarded the glory of God. He so protected the presence and power of God that it literally rubbed off on him in such a way that when he walked down off the mountain, the people were intrigued to even be in his presence because it wasn't the glory and the spirit of Moses. It was the glory and spirit of God that sat upon Moses that shocked the people and literally brought about a heavenly revival and reunion of the hearts of the people to the things of God. And everything changed in this passage. When Moses came off the mountain after a number of days in seclusion and solitude with God. Now I want to say this. It's interesting that he had such a glorious experience. But when we read about that experience in a moment, here's what you're going to find. He was shining like a light bulb with the glory of God. And it wasn't even the full revelation of God that he experienced. The Bible says that he merely saw the hinder parts of God. Didn't even get to see his face. Didn't even get to look upon his outstretched hands. Just merely seeing the hinder parts of God lit him up like a theological light bulb and changed his life forever. And what we're going to see is that the people that will respect and protect the presence of God will shine with the brightness of his glory and will reach a place in their life where everywhere they go, they will radiate with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There should be a difference about the people that spend time on the mountain with God. And everyone in this room does not have to be named Moses, but you need to learn to protect your time with God at all costs. If you got to lock everybody out of the bedroom, lock them out of the bedroom. If you got to drive somewhere else, drive somewhere else. If you got to stop going to a coffee shop, then stop going to a coffee shop. If you got to turn your phone off and your laptop off, then do it. Protect your time with God as you enter the new year. Protect it at all costs. Quit all these ridiculous, stupid, willy-nilly excuses. Well, I just don't have time to read the Bible. You better make time to read the Bible. You better make time to fast. You better make time to pray. You better make time to go to church. You better make time to enter into the presence of God. And thy Father that sees thee secretly shall reward thee openly. Because everything that God's going to do in your life in 2022 is going to be behind closed doors, not on a platform for the world to see. He will reveal you when the day is time to be revealed. But for now, he's preparing you by his presence. Do not miss the opportunity to get in God's presence. So notice what happens. God had given a directive to Moses to go in and take a certain part of the land. The Levites, the priests were supposed to go in. The people were afraid. The people had been baptized in a spirit of fear. Are we not seeing that in the culture in which we live? This thing's not going away. I'll say it again. It's not going away. We're not going back to normal. 2022 is just going to be 2020 part two. That's it. But I'm telling you, the presence of God is going to rise amongst his people. The glory of God is going to rise amongst his people. The remnant church is going to rise. We're going to find out who the real soldiers are that are going to put on the whole armor of God. We're going to find out in 2022 who's really here for the presence of God. And so the people were afraid. And so God said, all right, Moses, I need you to do something. I need you to show these people the power of God. Show them what the presence of God looks like. 
Back up to chapter 33. We pick up the reading in verse 7. We'll preach our way down through the text. So get used to looking at the Bible. Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp. I want to stop and say this. Hebrew says Jesus was without the camp. It does not say he pitched it in the middle of the congregation. He left the congregation and he pitched it outside of the congregation. Because sometimes when you're going to protect the presence of God, you got to get away from everybody else and quit worrying about what they think about you. Like our dear brother said, doesn't matter what your family says, doesn't matter what your boss says, doesn't matter what your friend, doesn't matter what your pastor says, it only matters what does God say about my life. And some of you need to get without the camp this year. Without the camp. Quit trying to fit in and learn to stick out for the glory of God. And he set the tabernacle of God's glory afar off from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of the congregation, which I love this because God was the first tent meeting preacher in the Bible. He met in a tent too. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up. So they're watching their leader. They're watching their, their shepherd, if you will, their pastor. And they stood every man at his tent door. And they looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. So they're watching what's going to transpire. And by the way, they're watching the leadership do what the leadership's supposed to do. And what we have in America is a leadership fallacy is what we have. We have a leadership problem. The Bible says they were watching Moses. Why? They were going to respond the way that Moses responded. And guess what? You respond in faith when I respond in faith. You respond in fear when I respond in fear. That's why seven times to the churches of Asia Minor, he always started with the angel of the church, the pastor. The messenger, not the being around the throne of God. The messenger is what the word means. He never started with the people. He started with the pastor. Because if you can't get the pulpit right, you'll never get the pews right. Or the rickety white folding chairs in the gravel, whichever you want to say. You got to start with the leadership. And Moses was setting the example of protecting God's presence, telling the people, I'm going to do what I'm telling you to do. Which, by the way, if I tell you to read the Bible, I promise you a dollar to a donut, I'm reading the Bible. If I tell you to be faithful givers, I guarantee you I'm a faithful giver. If I teach you about fasting, I'm teaching you through the experience level of fasting. I'm not just saying it because it sounds good. The leadership in America needs to get right with God. From the White House to the church house to the movie house and to your house. We got a leadership problem in America. And so they watched him go into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, verse 9, this is beautiful. As Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. You know, I said this a few Wednesday nights ago, but it begs repetition. There is a difference between the universal presence of God and the manifested presence of God. His universal presence is everywhere at one time. By the way, that's why the devil's mad because he can't be everywhere at once like God can. That little slimy joker can only be one place at one time, but God can be everywhere at one time because that's what makes him God. He's omnipresent. Omnipresent. But that's his universal presence. There's only certain times in your life especially in the life of a congregation where you experience the manifest presence of God. 
when God moves in. When God walks in the room, even when there's not a room. When you can sense the difference in a location, and you better know God is in the business of blessing certain locations. I'm telling you, that's why prayer is important. That's why fasting is important. That's why reading the Word of God in that tent is important because it bakes the presence of God into an area. I ain't trying to be spooky. I'm telling you what the Bible teaches. Because I, I could have you raise your hand right now. You ain't got to unless you want to. I could have you raise your hand. But I guarantee you there are people in this, this area, this room right now that say the same thing that tens of thousands of other people have said for the last two years. When I drove in the parking lot, I felt something different. Huh? I can't make that up. That's not the presence of Greg. That's the presence of God. And the Bible says that he went in and the cloudy pillar descended and the Lord talked with Moses. His manifest evident presence was there speaking with him. Speaking with him. I will never presume to take credit and glory for anything that God's doing. I'm very careful about the things that I post in relation to our church. I know you find that crazy. In relation to our church, I said. Not in relation to me. I'm still half-cocked and crazy at times. But we had a little experience last week that blew a lot of people away. I purposely did not comment on it or promote it because I wanted other people that saw what I think I saw. I wanted them to comment on it. So I left it alone because I knew immediately it was like blood in the water for the sharks on the internet to come after Greg Locke and say, oh my goodness, he's claiming some false manifestation of the power and presence of God. So I let other people say what they experienced. Now you, you can go back on Facebook, you can look, but I'm telling you, people all over America saw it twice on the live stream, twice. And it was damp and wet last week. It wasn't no tornado stirring up the gravel. Wasn't no cameraman back there smoking weed. I hope, praise God, while I was preaching. I saw it twice, and I just left it alone. But when I read things like this, people want to give you a hard time and say, well, the Lord never moves like that. You ought to read a Bible, bucko. You ought to put some extra energy in your coffee and wake up and pay attention to what the Bible teaches. When the manifest presence of God shows up, two things happen. People are changed and religious people are mad about it. And so the Bible says that God came down in a pillar of a cloud and spoke with Moses at the door. Now check this out, verse 10. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar. No, notice that. Moses didn't come, get to come out and say, hey, y'all ain't going to believe what I saw. It had been hearsay then. No, they all saw it. They all saw the power of God. And when they saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshiped, watch this. Every man in his tent door. Now, do not miss this. I, I've got this green highlighted right there, that little phrase, every man in his tent door. When I highlight something, it means stop and park for a minute. As the old timers used to say, shake that bush, preacher, shake that. I'm about to shake it. Because this does not need to be missed. Moses goes into the tabernacle and he worships the presence of God. The people saw it. And they went to their tent door. Not the tabernacle. They went to their tent door. And every man at their tent door did worship 
God. So I'm going to tell you something. Last Sunday of the year, you better hear me. Everybody better hear me right now, especially you men. If you're a man, say amen. amen. Mm-hmm. Worship begins in your tent, boys. Worship begins in your own house. It doesn't begin when you get to the Canvas Cathedral. It doesn't begin when you get to the parking lot. It doesn't begin when you drive your vehicle to 2060. You've got to worship in your own tent before you get here. So you better make a commitment to lead your family in prayer. Read the word. Let fasting be a part of what happens in your house. I'm not saying you got to be perfect. I'm not saying you got to walk around Billy Bible all the time, preaching, preaching, preaching. My whole house preaches. They're crazy. They use my preaching against me. Yes, they do. But I remind them I got the microphone. I'll make you a sermon illustration so quick it'll make your head spin, praise God, in front of the whole world. So careful what you say in the lock house. It'll be in a sermon in a month. But look, worship don't start when I come up in here and worship in this parking lot. Worship starts for our house in the tent, in our own house. People say all the time, oh my goodness, is your wife here in this meeting? Because man, she prays, and she just prays down the fire, and she prays in the anointing. And I said, let me tell you something, she prays like that at the house. I can't even let her pray at Cracker Barrel I'll never eat. She pray like that in the bedroom, in the bathroom. I mean, she prays like that everywhere. Why? Because worship starts in your own tent. And the Bible says that every man stood in the door of his own house and worshiped God. And I think the reason the church in America is powerless is because the body individually is powerless in their house. Some of you are afraid to take a stand in your home because you know your family will laugh at you because you've been a hypocrite for years. Well, you better throw that hypocrisy out the door. Look your wife in the face. Tell her you're sorry for being a lousy leader and stand up, put on your big boy britches and lead in the tent before you get to the big tent. Now, I know we got some single moms and so look, you got to respond. You worship in the tent in the door of your own house. I'm tired of people coming to church Acting one way on Sunday and going out and acting the devil on Monday through Saturday. I'm telling you, you learn to worship before you get here. If you anything like me, I need windshield wipers on the inside of my truck. I get to spitting, shouting, hollering, jumping all over the place. I pull up at a red light. Look, I'm like five feet above everybody. They can all see me. I got that phone plugged in. I'm wide open, heaven bound with the hammer down. I'm shouting. I'm beating the steering wheel. I'm preaching. I'm spitting all over the place. And I turn and they're like. God bless you in Jesus' name. Worship before you get here. But nonetheless, it was green, so I had to talk about it. Verse 11, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. Now notice, as, that's a simile terminology, because in a moment he's going to say, no man looks upon God's face and lives. The atheist said, you see, that's a contradiction. No, it's not. It's an explanation. He was speaking face to face in the cloudy pillar, not the full manifested glory of God. He's still going to ask for that in a moment. He was still talking to him. The cloud, God's presence was talking face to face as a man talks to his friend, not face to face as I'm looking at you right now. It was the presence that he was speaking face to face with. So it's an explanation, not a problem. And so the Bible says that he spoke to him as a man speaks to his friend and he turned again into the camp into verse 11 but his servant I love this Joshua 
You're going to see him a little later, not today, but he is the one that led the people into the promised land. And I also remind you, before he led them into the promised land, there was a lot of battles that he had to face. There was a lot of walls that had to come tumbling down, a lot of bloodshed, a lot of warfare, a lot of problems. And the Bible says that here is Joshua, the son of Nun. Notice he's not the son of a Nun, <laughs> but the son of Nun. A young man, watch what he does not do, departed not out of the tabernacle. He's in there. He's conducting his duties, his responsibilities as a leader. And the Bible says that when Moses left, that Joshua remained in the tabernacle. You ever notice that sometimes if you're not careful, especially with some of these sordid Old Testament narratives, that you just kind of skip over all the juicy details that were written for a very, very express and important reason? Why did he stay in the tabernacle? Because there was something about the presence of God that Joshua, the son of Nun, was addicted to. And although he did not know it, God was going to raise him up as one of the mightiest warriors in the whole Bible. But I'm going to declare unto you, ladies and gentlemen, thus saith the Lord, you will never be a mighty warrior until you're a mighty worshiper of the presence of God. And some of you need to quit going to war and go to worship. Because when you come out of worship, you'll be ready for some warfare and you'll fight the right enemy in the right way with victory by the glory of God. And he stayed in the tabernacle because there was something about the presence. There's something about the presence that he was addicted to. Now, I want to say this. As I was reading through this the other day, my wife said, well, why do you suppose he stuck around? Didn't he have things to do? And I thought, that's a great question. He probably did, but guess what? It was a time in his life that God had slowed everything down and he had time to forcefully seek the presence of God. And I want to say this. Because of this whole pandemic nonsense, some of you got more time on your hands. And you're wasting every bit of it. Why don't you get in the presence of God? Why don't you read a little bit more and fast a little bit more and pray a little bit more and witness a little bit more and be the person that God's called you to be? Why you've got some downtime, learn from God's presence. Don't just twiddle your day away. Don't just twiddle your day away. Now, <clears throat> look, I know it's Christmas, and I know a bunch of y'all got some gifts, and I'm glad, and I, and I love all, everybody in this church, everybody, but I got to talk to you men for a minute. I've been talking to y'all, but we got to end the year strong with some men. I'm glad you got hobbies. I'm cool with it. I'm glad you like doing stuff. I'm cool with it. But some of you grown men. I mean, you grown. Remember a little boy on TikTok? I'm grown. Some of you grown men play like 40 and 50 and 60 hours a week of video games. You a grown man. You say, oh, brother log, you've shot my Mario brother. I don't care what I shot. Some of you need to read a dadgum Bible every now and again. Get that stupid control out of your hand. Answer your wife when she talks to you. No wonder brains are mush. Look, I know. I, I'm a social media guru. I stay on it too. Sometimes turn that mess off. Some of you need to check your screen time. Because man, your screen time and your Bible time are woo, two way different times. 
I'm sick of people sitting in my office when my life's falling apart, but I ain't got time to read the Bible. You scroll Facebook for three hours. You lie like a rug. Ain't got time to read the Bible. Ain't got time to pray. Ain't got time to spend time with your family. Love on your kids and date your wife. You've lost your mind. You making excuses that God is going to hold you accountable to. Now, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad all the women were clapping. And Pastor Danny. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, it's time to buck up this year. It's time to be a man this year. Life's too short to mess around. I'll tell you something. You ain't going to give an account to God by how good you did on a video game. And I'm not squashing your dream. You play all the video games you want, right? I get it. Okay, you got to have your downtime. Some of you, your whole life's downtime. I'm just so depressed. I'm just so busy. I'm just so miserable. You're miserable because all you do is sit around and talk to yourself. No wonder you're miserable. Learn to worship God. Learn to use your time valuably. You said, Brother Luck, you're picking on me. Yes, I'm picking on some of you. You need to be picked on. Sometimes the church needs to be picked like a scab. Got to make that thing fresh and raw. I mean, we got, we got to end the year strong. Okay? What kind of shepherd would I be if I ended up here this year? And I'd be like, okay, this is the last Sunday of the year, everybody. And I don't want to offend you. I just, you know... We almost didn't have church because we wanted to follow the same suit that all the other churches that aren't having church today decided. And so, but, but since we had church, I, just, I don't want to make you mad. I'm going I'm to stroke your ego, make you feel better about yourself. So look, if you want to read the Bible, read it. But if you don't, hey, that's all good. No skin off me. <laughs> you got the wrong one. <laughs> I can't remember who to attribute it to. Who's that? Nathan Bedford Forrest. I think he was the one that said, I've not yet. Big on to fight. You think I was crazy in 2021. You better figure out whose side you're on before New Year's Eve hits. We go into a whole new atmosphere. We go into a whole new level. We go into a whole new prophetic level up in this church. Parking lot, tent, it don't matter. Courtney's restaurant. We go into a whole new level, church. Whole new level. You thought we was on their radar before. Nancy about to have a conniption fit. Praise God in heaven. Anyhow, verse 12, I done got sidetracked on that. Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. I'm glad he knows my name, Amen. And thou hast found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Now, check this out. This is beautiful, verse 14. And he said, my presence shall go with thee. Let me read that again. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Which, by the way, the presence brings the rest. The rest is in the presence. The rest is in the presence. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. He's like, okay, here's the deal, God. We'll go if your presence goes with us. But if we're just going to man-made manipulation and another smoke show, you can have it. We're not going unless you go with us. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to pastor a church full of people that aren't hungry for the presence of God. 
I've, I've had to get more selective on where I'm starting to go and pre. We could go somewhere every single day, every single Sunday, every single Sunday. I could be on everybody's talk show, everybody's radio show, everybody's podcast. Everybody's got one, right? And I'm not minimizing that. I could go a lot of places. I'm starting to get a little bit more minimized on where I go. I want to go where people are seeking the presence of God, not just the power of a man. It's cool to stand in line for hours on end and shake people's hand. But if you come here just so you can meet Greg Locke, you're in the wrong place. Let's come here to meet the presence of God. The presence of God. And he said, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Verse 16, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not? Is it not in that thou goest with us? He said, do you know how the world's going to know that we are the people you say we are? When your presence goes with us. There's going to be a difference. There's going to be a delineation. There's going to be a separation. There's going to be a line drawn in the sand. The people will look to us and know it's not about our education or the lack thereof. It's about the presence of God that goes before us, that goes around us, that goes with us, that goes behind us. It's about the presence. How can we know that we are in the middle of the will of God when his presence is protected, when his glory is guarded, when God's able to show up at church and take over without having to get our permission in order to do it, that's when you know God's with you. So shall we be separated, verse 16, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Now things get dicey. Verse 18. And he said, I beseech. The word means beg, urge, plead with. I beseech thee. Show me thy glory. You see, what's interesting and convicting to me is most of us would have been content with the cloud. <laughs> we, most pastors are content with a full house and a decent offering. Oh, look at there. Woo. God is here. We filled the building. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you feel the people? <laughs> That's the difference. Now, now, did you feel the building? There's a lot of people that can feel the building. I know comedians that hate God and feel the building. Did you feel the people? That's the difference. That's the real narrative. That's the real context. So he said, look, I could be content with the cloud of the glory of God. I mean, think about that. He, he, he's seeing things that most of us never experience. Forgot more Bible than Greg Locke will ever know. But he went one level farther. He said, I don't just want to speak to the overshadowing presence. I want to see the full revelation of your glory. I'm telling you, that was a dangerous prayer request right there. He's like, I want to see your glory. The full revelatory manifested glory of God. I want to see who you really are. Now think about that. Because as we've said so often, many of us seek his hand when we should be seeking his face. We're seeking what God can do for us, not God being something to us. And if you will learn who he is to you, then God will provide for you. The provision is not your savior, he is. And sometimes he'll take away the provision because you start trusting in the provision rather than the God that gave you that permission, that provision. Am I making sense? And so he says here, Lord, I, I want to go to the next level. I want to see your glory. I want to see you do things I've never imagined. Show me who you really are. 
Verse 19. And he said, I will make all of my goodness. That's a good word. All of my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. This is God talking about himself. God's so glorious that when his presence shows up, he toots his own horn. He said, I'm going to proclaim my own name before you. And I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Because God can do whatever he wants to without your permission. And he said, I love this, verse 20. Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Which, by the way, let me interject this parenthetically. It's so important. We cannot see the face of God. Not in, that, not in this naturalistic body that we're in. So God became one of us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the Father through the face of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it says, and he is the propitiation. The King James word means the satisfaction of God's wrath. Jesus brought a smile to the wrath-filled face of a holy, angry God for us and for the sins of the whole world. And so he said, look, you, you can't look upon my face. There shall no man see me and live. So they're going to strike a bargain. Verse 21. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. A rock. And it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff to the rock. I'm going to hide you in this little indention, this small little cave. And I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. So get the picture. He's going to put him up in this little crevice. God's going to put his hand over his face, really over the whole crevice. And God's going to pass by with his hand over the eyes of Moses. And watch what happens. And I will take away my hand, verse 23. And thou shalt see my back parts, but my face, but my face shall not be seen. We don't have time to develop the narrative of the chapter next where it happened. But the Bible says that indeed God came by and the King James uses the phrase, he saw the hinder parts, the backside of God. If just seeing a glimpse of the backside of God will light you up like that, I wonder what the full revelation of God's glory would do to a church, would do to a nation, would do to a marriage, would do to a man, do to a woman, do to a young person, just to see the hinder parts of God lit him up like a Christmas bulb. They had to put a veil over his face just to see the backside of God. You know, sometimes we say, oh, let, let me change that picture. Let me get my good side. He saw the backside, and it changed his life. And by the way, changed the nation. Changed the whole Bible because he saw the hinder parts of God. Can you imagine if churches would really take serious the glory of God? Can you imagine what would happen if we really believed that God was as holy as the Bible says he is? As separate from sin as the Bible says he is? Calling us to repentance? If we only understood how big God was, it would change everything about the dynamic or the lack thereof of our worship services. 
The question is, what are we worshiping? Hopefully it's not the building. I sure pray it's not the pastor. It can't be the gravel in the parking lot. I mean, look at this place. It's a rock pile with a bunch of dirt shoved around and a condemned house. You talk about hillbilly, high-tech, righteous redneck, we here right now. Right now. So there ain't no way, okay, there's no way that you showed up to look at all this. Unless you, Stevie Wonder, you can't see what's happening at that point. You blind if you showed up to see, oh, I just want to go see the campus. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Good thing Jesus was born in a stable. <laughs> I feel pretty stabilistic right now. But I'm here to tell you, what are we worshiping? What, what's the point of even having a service if we're not going to glorify Jesus? If we're not going to be about his power, his presence, his glory, no matter what happens. No matter what. You see, the presence of God for us has become the protection of God. I said it this past Friday night at the... I almost said New Year's Eve, days are getting ahead of me, but he's got a Christmas Eve service. The devil would have stopped us a thousand times had it not been for the protective element of God's presence and his glory amongst us. The sheriff showed up three times Friday night. And he got anything better to do? Sure he does. One day it's too loud. Thursday night, they're setting this thing up. It's like 10.30 at night, and the cops get called because the screen was too bright. The, the screen was too bright. Well, y'all wait till 2022 when the glory of God hits this parking lot. Praise God. Things get lit up real quick. There won't be enough police in this town to handle the phone calls they're going to get. Look, this stuff is just nothing more than emboldened me. Everybody trying to stop us. Everybody going to the zoning hearing meetings with their pitchforks. Kill the ogre. Shut them down. Absolutely not. This place is about the glory of God. It's about the presence of God. It's about the protection of God. This has become a haven, a safe haven, a rest place for weary pilgrims on their journey. And this is just the beginning of what God's going to do in our midst. Just the beginning. And so he said, look, you can't see the front, but you can see the back. And when he saw the back, lit him up. And the people had to put a veil over him. But I want to show you two more verses. Chapter 34, verse 1 and 2, we done. And the Lord said unto Moses, so he said, look, this is what I'm going to do. He hadn't done it yet. So he gives him the directives of how to handle it once it takes place. The Lord said to Moses, hew thee two tables of stone. By the way, he had done that already, but got mad and broke them. Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will, notice, I will. Moses wrote out the first set and broke them. God's going to write out the second set. Because he wasn't just writing it on two tablets. He was writing it on the hearts of humanity. And every man is born with the law of Christ in his heart, the Bible says. And he said, I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. I like how he adds that. 
which you dropped, Moses, which you threw to the ground in your temper tantrum. And be ready in the morning and come up in the morning under the Mount Sinai and present thyself to me in the top of the mount. But you know what struck me? I'd never seen this. I told my wife the other day, this is, this is amazing when I read through this. Before he was able to go up and experience the miraculous, majestic, magnanimous presence and glory of God, just the back part in the cleft of the rock, which is where we get the old hymn, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Before that ever happened, God said, here's what I need you to do in the morning before you meet me on the mountain. I want you to get the tablets, bring them with you because I got a word to write. And I find it interesting that the full revelation of the glory of God was not even given and revealed to Moses until he obeyed the authority and the anointing of the word of God. He had to bring the word with him. What made it the word, Moses? No, he brought two rocks. God made it the word. And he said, you wrote it the first time and broke it. I'll write it this time and change anything. And he carries those two tables of stone hewn out of the rocks and God writes out the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. And then all of a sudden, he sticks him up in the cleft of the rock and he passes by, covers him up, moves his hand, and Moses gets a glimpse of the backside of God. And mark my words, and I tell you, nothing from that point in the Bible was ever the same again. Nothing. Moses was changed. Joshua was changed. The people were changed. The text was changed. The law, everything changed with one glimpse of God's glory. I don't know what the Lord's got in store for us. But we better get out of his way and let him do it, church. This is not about you. This is not about me. This is not about us. It's not about them. It's about him. It's about the presence of Christ. It's about the glory of the Father. It's about the release of the power of the Holy Spirit in a church that will not settle for average and Americanized but a church that says we will be a suddenly congregation right out of the book of Acts. And may this church pop right out of the Bible. And some of you today need to fall on your face and go to the next atmospheric level of wanting to seek the power and the presence and the release of God in your life. Quit with all of this preconceived, traditional, denominational church nonsense that you grew up on and fall on your face and seek for the greater glory of God in your life. Because hear me when I say to you, God has just begun to release himself amongst his people and he's looking for a remnant to rise to the occasion and say, God, we will be that church. We will be that pastor. We will be that marriage. We will be that young person. We will be that congregation. By the grace of God, we will be that congregation.
And may the glory of God, may the glory of God be the desire of our heart in this parking lot today and all of God's people said. Father in heaven, oh God, we enter into your presence asking that you would do for us what we can't do for ourselves. The word is plain. The word is authority. The word is our anointing. It's there. Use it today to break down the resistance of our heart. The stone barriers of our cold, dead, lethargic, lukewarm spirit. Lord, in these last days, you are not gathering a lukewarm bride. You are gathering a spotless bride. Reveal your heart to us today. All over this campus, I want you to stand. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Everyone's standing all over the place. If you're able, everyone's standing. I know a situation like this maybe not makes it difficult. It just makes it a little less than desirable to respond. But some of you today need to end the year strong and enter this next year having such a heart for the things of God. Having such a healthy reverence, fear, and respect for the presence, the power, and the glory of God. And I wonder right now, sir, I wonder right now, ma'am, whatever God said, whatever he released into your spirit, it may be something totally different than what I said. Listen to his word, not mine. I wonder right now, would you be willing to come, sir? Would you be willing to come, man? Some of you just need something from the Lord. Whether you're a visitor, regular tender, you've been here one time or a thousand times. Some of you right now just need to leave your seat and come and say, God, I need to pray. I need to be prayed for. Some of you need a healing. Some of you need something in your home, in your life, in your marriage. Financially, you're falling apart. This year has been a fall down the steps nightmare and you need the glory of God to rise upon you and your household. And you need to see God do something to prove himself worthy and wise and, and powerful and strong in your life. And you come and say, God, prove yourself to me. Show me your glory. Prove who you are, God. Prove who you are. All over this place. If you're here today and you are here for our baptismal celebration, you can begin to make your way over to my right, your left. Miss Billy's heading that way now. And the volunteer crew will have your towels ready, get you signed up, get you ready to go. It's all heated and ready to go. If you're here to be baptized, just go ahead and slip out right now. And we'll go ahead and get you lined up over there. But I want you to come and I want you to take your time. And I want you to spend time in the Lord's presence and ask God to increase himself in this place. Increase himself in your life. No more going back to usual, normal ho-hum, willy-nilly business. Oh no, those days are done. These are days of expedience. These are days of importance. These are days of acceleration. Days of acceleration. Come on. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from God's Word. This podcast is a ministry of the Global Vision Bible Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. To find out how you can partner with this ministry or plan your visit to the Revival Tent, visit us online at globalvisionbc.com. There you can find links to all of the social medias. You can see what's happening on campus and learn everything you need to know about GVBC. We can't wait to see you there.